You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. joy to serve Jesus, isn't it? Peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Amen. This morning, we're not going to talk about the joy of the Lord. (laughs) The title of the message this morning is Jesus Weeps. Jesus Weeps. Amen. And in John chapter 11, verse 35, you almost don't even have to turn there. It's just two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Let's pray. Lord, we open our hearts to your word today and to this message that the anointing of your Holy Spirit drive it home to each and every one of us today as you have even in my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus wept. Amen. And in that scenario and in that context, and we're not going to read the whole thing this morning, but most of you, uh, I know that those of you who are here are Bible readers and studiers of the word. You know that that is the the situation where uh, Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha sent for Jesus, but he didn't show up until four days later. Purposefully, he waited before he even came to where they were. And by the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And they both said to him, Lord, if you would have just been here when our brother fell sick, he wouldn't have died. You could have spoken the word. You could have touched him and you could have healed him. Well, guess what? Jesus could have sent his word as he did on other occasions from afar and healed people, amen? But specifically, he did what he did so that he could show the glory of God so that people could see who he was, amen? And so, as he comes on the scene, he finds them all weeping and wailing and mourning over Lazarus, amen? Why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus weep? He came there. He knew full well that in just a few moments of time, he was going to call that man's name and he was going to rise up out of that grave. And he knew that. And yet he stands there and he weeps at the grave. He weeps with them. Amen. He could have just come in and said, hey, people, don't cry. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be all right. 
knowing that, again, in just a couple of minutes, those tears of grief would become tears of great joy and celebration when that man came out and stood before them again. Amen. Sometimes we can be insensitive in this, in this way, that we would come in the presence of people who are grieving, and we would say to them, ah, oh, hey, don't grieve. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. I don't know if you've ever had someone say that to you in a time when you were really grieving, but it really doesn't lift up an individual. It's more like throwing salt on the wounds. They're grieving. They're vexed. They're perplexed. They're confused. They're asking questions. They, they don't know what's going on and why they should be experiencing what they're experiencing right here. Yet the word of God tells us that we are to weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that do rejoice. Amen. So sometimes when someone is grieving, God may call us there to be a help to them, but our hearts grieve with them. Our hearts come in alignment with what they're going through. We may not even have the words to say to give them comfort. More times than not, if it's that tragic of a situation, we won't have the words, especially in our own self. But God will give us words of comfort, words of edification, words of strength for that person. And they won't just be a slap on the back and say, hey, buck up, we're Christians. We know where they went. We should be celebrating. No, 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 no. When you lose someone close to you, if you're a natural human being, it will grieve your heart. But God is there through our grief. He can still bring to us that deep inner joy of knowing where that person has gone. Amen. It might not be a jumping up and down, shouting hallelujah kind of time, but I've been to some funerals that were. Amen. Celebrating the life of a Christian person who loved God all their lives and served him for 30 or 40 or 50 years of their life. And they've gone on home to be with the Lord. There is a certain sense of celebration there. But there's also the grief of loss. If you've ever lost a grandfather or grandmother or a mother or father, sister or brother, you hurt because of the loss. Amen. So why would Jesus weep when he knew that he was going to raise him up? Because Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was compassionate. He felt the pain that this family and these friends felt. He literally felt what they were feeling. The loss of someone near and dear to them. And he felt it. Isaiah the prophet said that the Messiah would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And I believe not only his own, but the sorrows and the griefs of others, that he would bear those things upon himself. Another reason he may have wept is for the people who would not believe that he was the Son of God, the Savior of the world, even though one would raise from the dead. 
Jesus foresaw and he foreknew that Lazarus was going to raise. And Jesus foresaw and he foreknew that there were going to be some that were going to believe because of it, but that there would be others who would still refuse to believe. That could, that could have been something that touched his heart. The scripture doesn't go in to explain ex just exactly why Jesus wept. These are things that we can think of knowing Jesus and knowing the attributes of Christ, that he would be compassionate, that he would feel the sorrow that other people were feeling at that moment. How many people have received a miracle from God? and don't acknowledge him. It's sad. You, I know that you know people in your life that this has happened to. And not only a miracle, but maybe miracle after miracle after miracle. Provision after provision after provision. That God was there for them, but they never acknowledged him. How many people are like this in the world today? They've been literally brought back to life. Some people who have flatlined in a hospital and God raised them back up from the dead and they're a living testimony today of God's power to bring someone from death back unto life and yet many of those times people don't come back to glorify God Jesus healed 10 lepers right how many came back to thank him only one amen so the other ones just went about their way and didn't even give him thanks I think those are things that cause Jesus to weep. I think those are things that strike his heart, that he sees that kind of thing, and that it grieves him and it vexes him in his heart. There have been some people who have been in a coma for weeks, and God brings them through, yet they refuse to give God glory. Refuse to give God glory. We know of a, we know of a, a, a young lady uh, I don't know exactly how old she was at the time, maybe 10 or 12 years old, swimming in her swimming pool in her backyard. And she was weaving herself in and out of the ladder and going underwater, and she got stuck. Her hair, huh? her hair got stuck in that ladder. Her dad was working around in the, in the yard and doing something and heard her splashing around and playing, and then all of a sudden he didn't hear any more splashing. And he looked over. By the time he looked into the pool, she was purple, almost turning black because of the loss of oxygen. And he jumped in and he grabbed her and he pulled her up on the deck. And they started to try to resuscitate her. Neighbors in the surrounding yards heard what was going on. They jumped the fence. They came over there and they started doing the same thing. No, no sign of life whatsoever. And this had gone on for a few minutes. You lose that much oxygen, even if you do come back, your, your brain has, something has happened to your brain. But after trying that for several minutes, nothing happened. Her dad laid, her, laid his hands on her and said, dear Jesus, let my daughter breathe. And she sat up and said, thanks, dad. Can you imagine this? I mean, this is a real thing that happened. Someone who we know personally. Amen. But how soon people forget what a miracle that was.
How soon people can let go of the God who caused that to happen, who raised that young lady up? How soon we forget. Amen. And there are a lot of scenarios that are just like that where God has brought people back, where, where he has done something miraculous or he has kept them alive uh, through some situation. I had an aunt that was near death one time and, and we prayed for her. God raised her up. She came through it all. And my dad, my dad and other people said, thank God, thank God. But she was real quick and determined to say, thank the doctors in, in that kind of a tone. Church, I thank God for doctors, for nurses, for medication, for technicians, for uh, the technical things that we have today that can help to save our lives, to keep us alive. But any honest and good doctor normally will tell you when they've done everything that they know to do, all the wires are hooked up, all the things are plugged in, the surgery has been done, we've done everything that we know possibly to do, it's all in his hands now. I've heard plenty of doctors say that. It's all in his hands now. Even they may say, the man upstairs, you know. I don't know if it's a cover your rear end kind of a statement, you know, because, hey, we've done everything. Now, if he dies, it's his fault. You know what I mean? But the truth is, God's the healer. And whether he uses that, those technical things or devices or nurses, doctors, whatever, surgeons, he's the healer. The healing will come about because God is a healer. Amen. And so we thank all of them. And then we thank the Lord as well. But my aunt was very determined that she was not going to say thank God. I feel bad for her. I don't know if she ever did make it to glory. I'm not her judge. and None of us are to judge each other in that way. But I, I can say this unequivocally. If she did not accept Christ before she left this earth, she did not make it to heaven. That's based upon what the word of God says. Not my opinion of the word of God, but what the word of God says. Amen. I know of a couple also that was in an accident. I just shared this just lately. Was in a Corvette, little Corvette, two-seater car. Got into an accident, that car just exploded in a thousand different pieces. They couldn't even find half of that car. And that, that young couple was thrown up on the side bank of that highway without a scratch on them. And couldn't give God glory. Couldn't say, thank you, Lord. Couldn't turn their attention toward him even for a moment of time. I think when, when Jesus sees those things, I believe he weeps. I believe those are the things that cause him to weep. Not because he's on an ego trip. Not because he needs people to say thank you to him. Not because he uh, needs to uh, show himself to be bigger than he is. He's, he's as big as, as God can be. Amen. But because their tragedy became a door of opportunity to acknowledge him and to let him into their lives. And many people have, thank God. Maybe some of you have been in a situation where 
that puts you flat on your back and caused you to be looking up to God and said, you know what? I need God in my life. And I thank you, God, for letting me get through this thing. I thank you for allowing me to live through this accident. I thank you, Lord, that your hand has been upon me and I'm still here for some reason. And I surrender my life to you and I, and I repent of my sins and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. How many people have come to Christ because of that? Amen. A lot of people, a lot of people both ways. This scripture says in that context that of that, those two words, Jesus wept. It says many believed. Many believed. The sad thing is, many didn't believe. Amen. Yeah. In Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verses 37 through 44, we read of another place where the Bible talks about Jesus specifically weeping. This is when he is coming into the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, just prior to his crucifixion, and where they were shouting hosannas unto him and laying their clothes in the streets for the donkey that he was riding upon to, to walk on those, on those clothes. And in verse 37 it says, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God, with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, the religious people, the religious leaders, Pharisees. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they were giving him praise. They were calling him the king of glory. They were calling him the Messiah. They were speaking those kinds of things out loud. And those religious muckety-mucks said, Stop them from doing that. Rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. He wept over Jerusalem. I think he weeps over Jerusalem today. Verse 42, it says, saying, if thou hadst known, he rebuked those Pharisees. He said, if you would have known, even you, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. All of the prophets prophesied in the Old Testament of the coming of this one. And what Jesus was saying as he wept over Jerusalem, here I am, here I have come to bring you the peace that God has promised you. And you refuse, you, you reject, you turn aside. If you would have just known 
the day of your visitation, if you would have just known and understood who it is that is among you now. Of course, this happened in 70 AD under Titus, the ruler. The Jewish historian Josephus said that 1.1 million people died. Most of them were Jewish people. In Matthew 23, 37, I don't have that on the screen, but you can write it down if you're taking notes. Another place where Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Because they refused the salvation that God offered to them. Today I say to you, church, that Jesus still weeps. Jesus still weeps. We know that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us here. And that we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. Amen. His heart is compassionate towards us even as he sits at the right hand of the Father. And what we go through, he knows. And what we suffer in this world, he knows. And he understands. And he feels what we're going through. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp that. And we're saying, we want somebody with skin on. We know all of that about the Lord, but I don't feel that way right now. I need his touch. I need him here. I need, I need comfort from him. And that's when the Christian man or woman should be able to step in and bring that comfort in the name of the Lord. Amen. He weeps for you and he weeps for me when we suffer in this world. Amen. There's not a thing that we go through, church, that Christ does not know exactly what we're feeling. Oh, brother, I thank God for that. I thank God for that because sometimes I feel like I'm all alone. Sometimes I feel like nobody else even knows or understands what I'm going through, but he does. And you are the same way. You go through things and you think, my Lord, how in the world will I ever get through this? And he's right there with you. And he's right there going with you step by step. Amen. He weeps for you and he weeps for me when we suffer the things that we suffer in this world. He weeps for the mothers who have been lied to, who have been deceived into thinking that it was okay to abort their children. The enemy lied to them. They believed the lie and now they suffer the hurts and the trauma and the guilt and the shame. Jesus weeps for those mothers. And Jesus weeps for those innocent children. I believe the heart of God just breaks over that. Amen. He weeps for parents whose 13-year-old child is missing and they don't know if she's dead or alive. And how many scenarios there are just like that right now in this world. I don't know whatever happened. I don't know if they even still have milk cartons in a, in a uh, uh, wax cardboard container or not. But I remember years ago when kids started showing up missing, 
they would put a picture of them on a milk carton because everybody is drinking milk and everybody is bringing, they want to make people aware of that child. Amen. Now there's so many of those things happening, you couldn't possibly keep up with the pictures of missing children. This world has gone bonkers. The world's going crazy. And Jesus looks down and he weeps, church. Oh, he weeps over that. You think that mother and that father weep over that situation and over that child? Not nearly as much as Jesus is weeping. He created us in his image and he loves us, amen. Children who are kidnapped and are being trafficked as sex slaves today. And this is a growing problem. It's growing day by day. We're living in a society that where, we, where we should think that that could never, ever happen among us. But we're told that it's happening right underneath our nose, right in the cities where we live. We might be walking about that kind of activity on any given day and not even knowing it. I have to say that Jesus looks down and he weeps when he sees that. Drugs and alcohol are still destroying lives of millions of people. Millions of people. Causing the breakup of marriages and of families. And God has ordered the family and when one breaks up, he weeps. Divorce is probably one of the most difficult things that people can go through. I've never been through it, but I certainly have ministered to plenty of people, and I felt the hurt. You've ministered to other people, and you've talked to other people, and you've shared your life with other people, and you know the things that they go through. It touches your heart. It touches your heart. And yet we have this going on more and more all the time. And I hear Jesus weeping over that situation. Suicides are on the rise. And Jesus is weeping. So many are confused about their own gender today. This is a phenomenal Thing that is happening in our world and Jesus weeps Jesus weeps it's not anything new but it's becoming more and more celebrated you know what that means it's in your face God that's what it means in your face we know you have created this this way and that there's a natural thing that you have ordered and designed but we got a better way. We think that we know more than you and we don't really care about your laws and we don't care about your commandments. We don't care about your antiquated uh, Bible. We don't believe in it. We don't practice it. We're doing our own thing. And men and women and young people today are just abandoning God completely and totally to go and have their own sinful worldly lusts of their flesh uh, played out. Amen. And so many of them today are confused and they don't know which way is up. And Jesus is weeping. Amen. 
People are sleeping around and shacking up without a commitment to marriage. <laughs> We've come to a place in this society where I make that statement right there and people say, it ain't no big deal. So what? There used to be a time when there was a societal peer pressure that if you did stuff like this, there was shame in it. That's why Jeremiah said, as, as the Lord spoke through him, he says, these people are committing such iniquities and wickedness before me that they don't even blush. There's no embarrassment to it. There's no shame in it anymore. In church, we're right there. We are right there. And Jesus weeps over that. He sees it and he knows it and he's weeping over those situations. I quoted a verse earlier that we are to weep with them that weep and we are to rejoice with them that we rejoice. And we know that that verse applies to us loving one another and being compassionate towards those who are hurting. Amen. It certainly is the application of that verse. But if Jesus weeps for all of these things, shouldn't we come alongside of him and weep as well? Amen. Not that we can comfort him, not in the same way that we would come alongside of each other and weep with those that weep, but that we would come alongside of him and weep because of what he is weeping for. We sing a song, uh, break my heart for those things that break your heart. Help me to feel, Lord, what you feel in your heart when you look down on this world and you see this situation here and that sinful activity over there and, and this one here just shaking their fist in your face and all of the things that we see in the world. Lord, when those things break your heart, Lord, help me not to get so comfortable with them. Help me not to get so used to them that they don't break my heart. We can't comfort Jesus by weeping with him. But I believe that we can come alongside of him and we can identify with his hurt, with his compassion, with what he's feeling when he sees those things, that we are moved by what moves him. Amen? May God give us more of a burden for the lost. That's... That's what I'm hoping, and that's what I'm praying for my own self, because church, quite frankly, I'm going to stand before you and say this today. I do not love the souls of this world as Jesus does. I fall short, in other words. I don't care about them like he cares for them. I'm not wounded, I'm not crushed in my heart every time I see it around me like his heart is crushed. That's why I say we should weep with him who is weeping. We should come alongside of him and say, Lord, let my heart weep with you. Let me see these things as you see them. Let me see that person as you see him. Let me see her as you see her. Let me feel the pains that they're feeling. 
May God give us more of a burden for the lost. People, I, I know of people who just flippantly say, I'm not, I'm not asking for any burden. Jesus came to take my burdens away. No, not this burden. Amen. Not this burden. No, he would have us to be burdened for the lost. Amen. He would have us to be caring for the lost, reaching out to the lost. Help us to begin to see things like you see them, Lord, that we will feel what Jesus feels. When, when the scripture says we have a high priest in heaven who is touched by our weaknesses of our flesh, we want to be just like him. We want to be touched with the feelings of other people's weaknesses. Not to lord it over them or to say that we're better than them, but to come alongside of them. These people that I mentioned, these different groups, they're stuck. They're stuck in those things. They don't know the answer. They don't know the way out. But you and I do. And shouldn't we have more of a burden to say, man, I want to help that person get up out of there. I want to help that person see the light as we sing that old, that old song, I saw the light. I thank God that I saw the light. I thank God that you who are here today uh, who have seen the light, if you have, if you don't know Jesus Christ, make him the Lord of your life today. If you're going through problems, if you're going through sufferings of this world, it's a great time to look up and say, Lord, I've made a mess of things. Would you please help me out here? Amen. And that's a good beginning prayer to begin to communicate with God. Because at that point, he will show to us where we have broken his commandments, where we have violated his law, not to condemn us or to beat us over the head because of that, but he will say to us and speak to our hearts in that situation that this, you're in the situation that you are in right now because your sins have brought these things upon you. More times than not, that's exactly what has happened to many people. We bring these things upon ourselves many times. I know that the enemy can come against those who are upright and righteous. We know that he did it with Job. God said he was a perfect and upright man before him, yet the enemy was able to attack him. So just because somebody's going through a lot of stuff in their life does not mean that they're not righteous. I'm not saying that. As a matter of fact, if you are righteous and you're living for Christ, Scripture said that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <laughs> that makes me kind of wonder sometimes. If I'm not suffering persecution, what does that mean? <laughs> Am I not living godly for Christ? Am I not speaking up for him? Am I, am I not being so bold as that I would say to people that Jesus loves you and, and, and he doesn't want you to go down the road that you're going in because he loves you and he, he has a plan for you to be with him for eternity? He loves you so much that he came and died on the cross for your sins. That you could be forgiven. That every sin that you've ever done can be blotted out in a moment of time. Great. Great is the mercy of God. Great is the forgiveness of God. People who are caught up into these things and who are trapped into these things. Pornography today. On the rise. Big seller, multi-billions of dollar industry. 
And a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world today is because of people viewing that and looking, looking into it and just dabbling a little here and a little there. And the next thing you know, it grabs the whole of their heart and their soul and they can't get out. They're addicted. It causes men and women to go and do some of the most dastardly things that you can even imagine, even to little children to little children, to pay to have sex with little children. Whew, wow. Do, do you realize what that means? A person who is made in the image of God can reject him in such a way that they can become so wicked as to do that to another human being made in the image of God. Just that thought is powerful. It's more than our minds can comprehend, really. How can it be? And it's all of these things that little by little people get sucked into. And Jesus is weeping over it. Jesus is weeping over it. Every time that computer clicks, Jesus is right there in that room and he's looking over that, and he weeps. Every time that guy steps out on his wife, thinks that he's getting away with it, Jesus sees it, and he weeps. And it's happening today, over and over and over. Break my heart, Lord, for those things that break yours. May we draw so near to him that it were as though we kiss his cheek and we taste the saltiness of his tears. That's just a word picture, folks. Just an illustration. May we just get so near to him, draw so near to him that as we embrace him and he embraces us and he's weeping over these things and tears are falling down his cheek and we kiss his cheek, and we taste the saltiness of his very tears. Wow. Man, God laid that on me early this morning, and I thought, man, what? Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's drawing near to Jesus. That's catching the heart of Jesus, the heart throb of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And if we don't have this kind of burden for the lost church, it's not a point of condemnation for us today at all. It is not at all. I don't condemn you, and Christ certainly, certainly does not condemn you. So it's not a point of condemnation for us, but it is a challenge for us to be changed into the witnesses that he has called us to be. I don't know what your purpose is in life, in a general sense, I can say you were created to give God glory. That's your purpose. Amen? And then he has a plan for each and every one of your lives, every one of us. A plan that he has for us. And then he has assignments along the way during that plan that may take you into various things in your life and you might be experiencing one thing right now 
and you might be following what you believe is the plan of the Lord, and it certainly is, but then he brings you to a place where he gives to you another assignment. God didn't change his mind. He, he knows the plan for your life from the beginning to the end. We pursue him day by day, moment by moment, trying to know exactly what he would have us to do. I'm doing that right now, God. What would you have me to do? I can just think of just pastors. And this is not just for pastors or people in ministry. It goes the same for you in whatever vocation you might be in and whatever plan of God you're following in your life. But I, I know that sometimes people get saved and a young man may get saved and feel like he's called into the ministry. He pursues that. He goes to college. He, he gets training. He comes out and he plants a church. He feels as though God has called him to pastor a church. And he pastors that church. And then somewhere down the road, God gives him another assignment. And he says, I want you to be an evangelist. No. Wow, Lord, I thought you called me to pastor. Or it might be just the opposite of that. Someone who's called to be an evangelist. And then all of a sudden, God has called him now to pastor. Just a different, just a different assignment in the same plan of God. So now the evangelist is pastoring a church. I know, I, I know several friends who've gone through exactly this. And that's why I say I can, I can relate to that as I see it through ministry. And God gives them another assignment. Now he's pastoring a church for several years. Pastoring a church. I'm following the call of God. I'm following the leading of God. I'm following the plan of God. Oh, wait just a minute. I got another assignment for you. I want you now to be a missionary in a foreign country. Wait a minute. I thought I had this all figured out. Church, you're never going to figure this all out. Uh-uh. He doesn't show you the panoramic view of your life. If he did, it would scare the heebie-jeebies out of us and we'd take some other turns along the way. Come on. I'm just being real. There are things that we don't want to go through in this world. I'm eight. But the plan and the purpose of God is that we glorify him in all that we do. So your career may have changed. Your job may have changed. Your boss may have fired you last week, but that only means that he's opening a door for you down the road. Well, you had to take a cut in pay in the job that you're at, but that's okay. Something else is happening and an advancement's gonna come down the road or whatever. We don't know. But let this message today sink into all of us. Jesus is weeping today, church. Jesus is weeping over these very things and it ought to cause our heart to weep as well. I'm praying that God give to me such a burden for the lost that you guys can't hardly stand me. <laughs> Seriously. I need that. And so do you. If we're not here for the purpose of winning people to Jesus, why doesn't he just take us all home? As the old preacher said, get them saved and shoot them. <laughs> but we have a purpose. 
We have a purpose. If God didn't, Tina, if God didn't have a purpose for you, you'd been gone a long time ago. Brother Don, if God was through with you, he, boy, he would be through with you. But he's not. He's not. He's weeping with you when you go through problems. And whatever burden you're bearing today, if you are bearing one, he's right there with you. And you have brothers and sisters here that will come alongside of you and pray with you. Sometimes we're just waiting for somebody to do that. You know what? Church, let me say this to you. Don't ever be ashamed or afraid to ask a brother or sister to pray with you. When you're going through something, you say, well, I don't know, it's pretty personal, and I'm just, well, then you need to find a friend that you can share that personal thing with that won't open their mouth to another person. Ah, be careful. Be careful. Even in the church, be careful. All that glitters is not gold. Everything that calls themselves a Christian is not. So find someone, let God lead you to someone who you believe in your heart would do that with you. And then ask them to pray with you about this thing that you're going through. I know that there are enough people in this church that you can count on for that. Amen. Let's pray that today before we leave here. Let's pray, Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours.